Welcome to the Yellow Peril Podcast, where we help you navigate the perilous world of Asian American identity through pop culture, sex, politics, and whatever other random stuff is currently distracting us. Welcome back, Yellow Perilers. Greetings to all you Oes, all you Sings, all you Condos. I'm Jeff Oki. And this is Boobang. This week, we'll be discussing, as ever, all the crazy and good things happening in the world of Asian American culture right now. Find out who this week's worst Asian ever is. But first... Do you care who actually wins the Pulitzer Surprise? Surprise? (laughs) Surprise! It's Pulitzer. Yeah. (laughs) I'm a genius. I'm a MacArthur fellow, guys. (laughs) Pulitzer Prize. (laughs) Wow, that's a good marketing for them if they want to get more like in the face of millennials, right? What do you know about marketing? Yeah, it's only, yeah. I kind of do. Not that I ever pick up a book by any of them, but I think it's important to recognize great works of news and literature and writing. Yeah, of course. So this news heading header that you wrote says only two Asians win Pulitzer Prize? No, 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 no. So they released the list of winners. Yeah. They just released the list of winners for um, media Pulitzer Prize winners. No Asians won. <laughs> Mm-hmm. But how many people actually win and nominated? How many people get nominated and how many people win? It depends on the category. Some categories only have three. Some categories have like five, it looks like, or even more. Granted, like the staff of the New York Times won a Pulitzer. I would hope and imagine that there are Asians, Asian Americans on that staff. So there are potentially Asian Americans that were part of a group <laughs> that won a Pulitzer, but... Only the individual Pulitzers, only two Asians were nominated, and that's a little sad. Out of how many? Out of how many nominations? Yeah. I can't. There's so many, dude. Okay. I mean, I just want to get an estimate, because what if it's four? I don't understand the full breadth of the Pulitzer. Are we, how angry should we be is, a, is what I want to know. Should we be two out of 100 angry, or should we be two out of 10 angry? If I do all the math, which I'm really good at because I'm Asian, and I can't count all these right now. <laughs> It's that many. It's hundreds. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Are we really doing a podcast where I'm counting? <laughs> <laughs> 11, 12, 15, 16. Okay, I'm just going to look up how many people get nominated. 19, 19 Let's say there's 22 categories, roughly. And let's say average four. So almost 100. Okay. <laughs> Okay. Yeah, it says 21 award categories. Okay. Wow, I can I can count pretty good really fast. But 2 out of 21 is not bad, right? Nominated. Is this worldwide? No, 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 that's the number of categories. There's 21 categories. Okay, so... It's worldwide. It's global. In the whole world. Okay, so we are two out of 100 angry out of the whole world. That's what I'm trying to get at. Not angry, just upset, right? I mean, maybe what if they won 90 out of 100 last year? What if there were 90 Asians that won last year? Who knows? Right. <laughs> they just they just had to tip the scales this year. The new me is trying to, you know, hear both sides. I mean, I just yeah. spent two hours uh, researching Obamagate, so I just need to... I need to hear both sides here. <laughs> Pulitzer's So Yellow was last year. Surprise! So this year, they're like, whoa, we got to dial it back. Pulitzer Prize. <laughs> I love that now. <laughs> Can we say the names of the two people that got nominated? Have you done that research? Can we actually say their names? Oh, gosh. <laughs> I got to look through the whole fucking list again. Oh, my God. I You're didn't terrible. write them down. <laughs> 
And granted, the other thing is I'm just going off based of name, mm-hmm. you know, which I think is fair, right? It's presumptive, but fair. I mean, I'm, I'm out of New York Times articles this month, so I can't look this up. <laughs> it's all you. All you. Oh, God. Audience, I'm trusting him on this one because I, I, I wasn't able to read this article. Yeah. Oh, now I'm scanning all of this list that I counted just now that I could have been looking for the names while I was counting. But now, oh, God, I can't even find them. Nope. I don't even. New York Times isn't Chinese. <laughs> the Washington Post is not Chinese. <laughs> oh, Rosanna Shaw, Sweta Kanan, and Terry Castleman of the Los Angeles Times were finalists for explanatory reporting. Oh, great. So there's one of a group for the LA Times. Congrats to them for being finalists. Ah, Soft Power by David Henry Huang and Janine Tesori. They were finalists for drama. They wrote Soft Power. There you go. There's two. And they're both in groups of people. (laughs) You know David Henry Huang, right? I do not. I do not. And Butterfly? Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. Books? (laughs) Got it. Does it have pictures? If it had pictures, I probably read it. I mean, technically, it was a. I mean, I'm being ignorant here. I think it was a a a play, a play before it was a book. Right, right. Sorry, I meant play. It is in the category of drama, so they wrote a play, Soft Power. The winner of that was Michael Jackson, A Strange Loop, <laughs> not the Michael Jackson, <laughs> Michael R. Jackson. Yeah, but his play does sound amazing. You know, did you hear about his play? No. Yeah. It's about him, Mr. Jackson. It's called It's called A Strange Loop. A gay black musical theater writer who wrote a musical about a gay black musical theater writer writing a musical about a gay black musical theater writer. Wow. I'm intrigued already. <laughs> That's like, who is that Icelandic Bjork? singer again? Bjork. It's like Bjork's music video where like she gets discovered and then becomes famous and then discovered and then famous. And then like, it's all portrayed in a play and it becomes, she becomes like, she becomes Bjork made into a movie. And then it becomes, you ever seen that? She gets famous and then they make a movie out of her and then a book. And it just, it just keeps repeating until her life is a, it sounds familiar. I, I never saw it. It's not Dancer in the Dark. No. Because that one, she's deaf. No, that's like when she's deaf and has cancer and everybody dies and her cat dies and everybody dies. I lasted 30 minutes. That happy movie. Yeah. The cooking world was caught ablaze this past few weeks. Oh, I see what you did there. Right? Because cooking and fire. Alison Roman, you know this woman? I've never heard of her. I'm not I'm not like huge into I like foodie culture. I'm not into foodie culture. I love seeing photos of great food. I love watching cooking shows. I'm not a big follower of everyone that's in it. But of course, two really famous people I do know, Chrissy Teigen and Marie Kondo. Of course I know, but I've never heard of Alison Roman. Marie Kondo is not a cook. It's lifestyle, fine. Lifestyle, Okay, fine. Sorry, Mr. Technical. She'd be a terrible cook because you're going to get a plate of just nothing. No, it's just all very organized and minimal. And she'll make you eat it all and not waste any of it. Which is very representative of Japanese food. Like sushi is very like minimal, organized, perfection. That's why I like to get my uh, my sushi at 7-Eleven. Oh, God, I dare you. We should do that on a pod. Just eat. Can Vubang tell the difference between various brands of sushi versus, like, versus restaurant quality? <laughs> I, th- I think I should just eat sushi at places where you should not be eating sushi. Yeah. Ralph's. Truck stops. <laughs> truck stop sushi. That's got to be the worst, right? Or just food, food truck sushi. I remember, this is totally a tangent, but I was looking up, I was driving through Reading a few years ago, and I was like, I'm going to see what the best 
restaurant is in Reading. And then it turned out the highest Yelp rating was a Korean restaurant that was inside of a gas station. And I went and it was pretty good. But it was Korean food. It was Korean food. Not sushi. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. Yelp. Who knew? So tell us about Alison Roman. Alison Roman was an editor for a food magazine, Bon Appetit. Maybe you've heard of it. Then went on to become, I guess, the food columnist or I don't know what to call her. She went to BuzzFeed. And she had some incendiary comments about Chrissy Teigen and Marie Kondo's success, really. And it's ignited the webosphere. Do they call it that still? Has it ever been called that? In the 1970s, yeah. But let me read. Can I read what she actually said? Yeah, read what Alison Roman wrote. The whole thing, I think, is really important to read. Or as much as you can, without boring us. I mean, where do I even start? Here, I'll start it. Quote, like the idea when Marie Kondo decided to capitalize on her fame and make stuff that you can buy. That is completely antithetical to everything she's ever taught you. I'm like, damn, bitch, you fucking just sold out immediately. Someone's like, you should make stuff. And she's like, okay, slap my name on it. I don't give a shit. Oh, that's all. Yeah, and then about Chrissy Teigen. Like, what Chrissy Teigen has done is so crazy to me. She had a successful cookbook, and then it was like, boom, line at Target, boom. Now she has an Instagram page that has over a million followers where it's like people running a content farm for her. That horrifies me, and it's not something that I ever want to do. I don't aspire to that. She's like, who's laughing now? Because she's making a ton of fucking money. So many problems with her comments. So let's just not, let's just ignore race for just one second, okay? That's what I exactly wanted to do first, yeah. Okay, so Alison Roman, how many books do you think she's selling on Amazon right now? She's definitely trying to get one sold right now. That's probably why she's making those comments. So she has three books, one of which is like a shorts, I guess, but she has three books. I'm not going to say the name of it because I don't want to promote this shit. (laughs) Okay, let's see how many books Chrissy Teigen has. She has two. Okay, so far, Allison Roman, three, Chrissy Teigen, two. You got that? Yeah, but first, the thing is, you need to see the sales. Chrissy Teigen, I'm sure, has outsold Allison Roman by millions of books. Sure, why not? Okay. Easily. Marie Kondo, guess how many books Marie Kondo has? Five. Oh, yeah, she has a lot. <laughs> yeah, Marie Kondo has a ton. <laughs> But what, what what point are you trying to prove with the number of books? I'm just saying, like, she's talking about commercializing and doing all this shit, right? She has just as many books, right? So she's saying she's not as commercial as them, right? Quote, unquote, okay? And then she trashes her, Chrissy Teigen's Instagram followers, right? Mm-hmm. And saying that she has a content farm, blah, blah, blah. How many Instagram posts do you think Alison Roman has? I think I know the answer already. For somebody who blasts, who blasts Chrissy Teigen for, quote, unquote... Boom, now she has an Instagram page that has over a million followers. I don't know what a lot or a little in terms of number of posts would be. Okay. Well, Alison Roman has 3,700 posts, okay? And she has half a million followers. And so that's probably why she's blasting Chrissy Teigen, who has, guess how many posts she has, actual posts. And granted, she does post on Twitter too, so I'll give her that. But how many posts? 100,000 posts. 4,000. Wait, Chrissy Teigen only has 4,000 posts? And she has 26, 29 million followers. Right. She has only 300 more posts than Alison Roman, and she has 28, 29 million more followers. Right. 
that's called good content curating. <laughs> She's like, I only have to drop something once like a week and I'll get a hundred times more likes than you do in a half a year. So, so my argument is she does just as much in terms of content and trying to sell books as Chrissy Teigen and Marie Kondo. The only difference is she's not as successful. Right. And that's the, I try to put myself in her shoes, which I don't want to, but the other problem too is like, we can't really talk about this, but (laughs) feminism, white feminism, white privilege, but more about women knocking women, right? Why is she knocking successful people? Just because she's jealous? Okay, she's just jealous, right? Isn't that the real, that might be her explanation. I'm just jealous and I reacted like that. But she's, her main comment is these people are selling out. Isn't that what she really wants to do is make a shit ton of money? That's what she's trying to do too, right? She wants her books to make a fuck ton of money too. It's very, it's bullshit. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I I don't, I don't know if I can speak to any of that, but all all I can say is aside from, I want to jump into the race aspect now. It's just, why would you call out two Asian women? (laughs) It's just like... I mean, we just went through the Pulitzer surprise, like two out of a hundred people. How many, how many cookbook authors out there are Asian? Yeah. I mean, could you, you, there's like a thousand, thousand others you can go after. Right. And you go after Christy Teigen and Marie Kondo. What are the odds? Right. Yeah. Weird. Right now in the height of COVID, you just randomly named two people and they're both Asian. Yeah. It's absurd. There was no one else you could knock down for selling out, right? Guy Fieri, I almost called him Guy. <laughs> Guy Fieri like, made it made it out of this alive? Really? Guy Fieri. Guy Fieri. You're just combining words tonight. Guy Fieri pulled surprise. It just so boggles my mind. It's sad. I mean, it's just subconscious racism then? I think it's, you know, casual racism. As people are calling it. And she apologized. And you read deep into the whole, like, stu- like how she names her food. Like, she basically takes Asian influences and just names it. Doesn't actually call it out. Right. So what she'll do is she'll make a dish and she'll call it the stew, right? When it's actually influenced by, like, it's Indian food. It's all these things. And she just bastardizes it and then names it the stew without any reference to what it was at all let's play a game now i'm gonna i'm gonna name random asian foods and just call it by like a white name and you have to guess what food that is okay okay i'll do some back to you yeah you ready yeah beef noodle soup Neuromian or pho <laughs> or 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 Taiwanese beef noodle soup, right? Yeah, which is Neuromian. Sorry. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. I don't I don't speak uh, Taiwanese. Yeah, that's fine. Are you gonna do one to me? Oh, sure. Rice roll. <laughs> Rice roll? Really? That's what you? <laughs> I don't. Know. A spring roll? Is that what you meant? It could be sushi even. Oh yeah 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 yeah, yeah. <laughs> sushi. That's a good one. Oh man, <laughs> you just have to. I feel like we have to make it even blander, right? Really blander? I don't know. Like the rice, <laughs> just call it the rice. <laughs> That's something she would do, right? The noodles. What is, oh, how about coriander cumin turmeric soup? Whoa. With fennel seeds and cinnamon. Ooh, that sounds good, huh? What is that? It's also called curry. Oh, okay. You call it soup. I guess that's what threw me off. Oh, yeah, yeah. You're right. You're right. I should have called it something more bland. Food. Like the stew, which she fucking did. She <laughs> called it the stew. That's true. Uh, it's sad. Beef over rice. Beef over noodles. Yeah. 
what a weird attack. What a weird, was it an attack? It became an attack, right? It's like, oh, I can't believe they sell out. Like, they're all about, like, the, the, the comment she did make about Marie Kondo is kind of funny and ironic. You know, it's like, hey, get rid of shit. And then Marie Kondo turns around and says, buy this shit to fill your house. Fine. I'm glad you brought this up. Okay. Because out of all the things you can sell, mm-hmm. a book nowadays, for most people, their age, I assume, she's, I looked her up, she's 35, is not actually a physical book anymore. Like Marie Kondo, how much of that is digital sales? Yeah. I mean, is Marie Kondo going to tell you to get rid of your Amazon Kindle? Marie Kondo doesn't tell you to get rid of anything. She doesn't tell you, remember. <laughs> yeah. Marie Kondo doesn't tell you to do anything. She asks you if this brings you joy. We all know that. Yeah. Only Allison Roman tells you who you should knock down because they're sellouts, apparently. Well, you know who does not bring me joy? Who? Donald Trump and Allison Roman. Whoa. Whoa. That's a big fucking leap, bro. <laughs> Damn. I wouldn't go that far. <laughs> Jesus. Fine. You got me, dude. That's a bold leap. I mean I don't know. I just I just think there's only a handful of people trashing Asian people right now in the news, so Yeah. Yeah. I mean, look, I think she's ignorant. <laughs> Donald Trump's just evil. I said it. There I said that. I don't think Alison Roma's trying to be evil. I think she's just ignorant and didn't realize that this, you know, she didn't know what she was doing. She didn't realize this deep-rooted thing that she was knocking people that she thinks doesn't deserve the success, or right? I, I want to play the game I usually play, which is like, what if we switched races? Like, what if she went after two black cooks and lifestyle folks? Uh, or she went after two, like, Latinas? The outrage would be way bigger. <laughs> I don't know. I don't. I don't know if it would be because I mean, I I, I would. I'm just going to be optimistic and think it's the same. But like Marie Kondo and Chrissy Teigen are pretty famous. True. Totally. I just. I just think she wouldn't do it. <laughs> oh, you know what I mean? Right. At all, she'd be like, "I'm not going there." Well, yeah. If you pick two black people, or two specifically Latina people, yeah, people, that's like that's so clear. Like, what are you doing? Yeah. This is like almost. I think it speaks more to, from my perspective, Chrissy Teigen's, her ethnic ambiguity, and people aren't like, oh, those are two Asians, but because they're clearly, though, people of color. Oh, man. But not people of color. What? I'm just looking up who's following her. I got to send this to all my friends now that are following her. Who's following? Oh, <laughs> like, hey, unfollow Allison Roman. Yeah, I got it. Yeah. This is hilarious. There's like six people that shouldn't, will probably unfollow her now. That you know? Yeah, I got to remind them. Yeah. I think, so she's mad. Chrissy Teigen wasn't, isn't a trained chef, but she has two cookbooks and outsold probably all, one of those books outsold probably all of Allison Roman's books combined. The sad or sweet thing is Chris Teigen's like, I'm so bummed out. Like she responded like, I'm so bummed out you wrote that. I was a huge fan of yours. I bought all your books and I don't know why, you know. Oh my God, she did? Yeah. That's hilarious. And then Alison Roman wrote an apology and it's pretty weak, of course. Like all apologies. Not all apologies. But she did. I mean, she did acknowledge her her white privilege. That's good. But I guess white privilege is is the ability to acknowledge your white privilege and say you were wrong. <laughs> That's all part of it. So it's like kind of a double-edged sword. Yeah, must be nice. I don't, but wh- how would... My thing with these apologies, too, is what do you say? I always wonder what is a good apology? What do you say? 
I'm an idiot. I am ignorant. I have learned. I apologize. I rescind all re- my remarks. I wish them the best. The end. I don't. I don't. Know. Was that good? Was that a good apology? Was that enough? This must have. So, do you think that she just suddenly, like, off the top of her head, said Chrissy Teigen and Marie Kondo? Like, she's never thought about this before. I don't know. Do you know what I mean? Like, she said it so fast that it's like. <laughs> I'm pretty sure this is something that's been simmering in her mind for a while. And if I had two Asian women simmering in my mind for a while and being jealous or hating them for whatever reason, I think I would at some point be, oh, wait, why do I suddenly have these bad thoughts against these two very famous, very successful Asian women if I was her? Yeah. Ignorance. That's all. Yeah. I'm, t- I'm texting my friends right now. Deep-rooted racism. On the flip side is a writer, Asian-American writer... Kathy Irway, who she's a James Beard award winning food writer. Okay. She's had struggles just getting books out. (laughs) You know what I mean? She's the type of person that deserves books getting made. And she's having problems finding publishers half the time. When she was doing her first book, she just had a second book come out. So she doesn't understand, rightfully so, why, or she understands, I don't know what she understands. She understands. The frustration and why women like Alison Roman should not say shit like this. Because obviously Alison Roman has been in a privileged position and a James Beard award-winning writer can't get a book made. Wisconsin this week had this big back and forth between the, the governor. I don't, I'm not even going to name any, any parties here. <laughs> it doesn't matter. Google it. The governor wanted to have the stay-at-home order the legislation did not, and the Supreme Court basically sided with the legislation and did not allow the governor to continue the shelter at home. And the reason why, I mean, we can go deep into it, but they just don't think that he should have that power long term to keep people and force them to be home. At home. Yeah. And they were bringing this up because Justice Rebecca Bradley of the Wisconsin Supreme Court compared the governor's stay-at-home order to, quote-unquote, <laughs> Assembling together and placing under guard all of those of Japanese ancestry in assembly centers during World War II. And she's an idiot. (laughs) You can imagine the outrage. And I'm just going to quote George Takei. God bless George Takei, May 14th on his Twitter. I'm in my home watching Netflix. It's not an internment camp. Trust me. How are these people elected to high-ranking positions? I mean, what am I saying? We have the president, fucking A. But I know how they are. (laughs) It's why this is a judge who said this, a person that determines if people are guilty or not of certain crimes. And you think I'm incensed by this as well because, ugh. I think she's smart because if she compared this to Nazi internment camps, they might maybe it's bigger news. <laughs> right. But because it's Japanese internment. She's clever enough to make it less uh, threatening, less uh, yeah. offensive. The Asians won't mind if I talk about this. In fact, I'm defending them because I'm bringing to light that the fact that the Japanese were placed in internment camps. No. <laughs> Staying at your own goddamn home is completely different than being ripped out of your homes and all your livelihood and work and business taken away forever for years. And then, (laughs) but yeah. What would you know? You're only 50%. Yeah. Oh, so I should only know half of that information? You should, yeah. Fine. I agree with half of what you're saying. Yeah. So 
half of their lives were taken away and only half of their businesses were taken. And it, was, it wasn't however many years, it was only half those years that I previously thought there. This is what they call a softball pitch to George Takei, <laughs> by the way. George Takei is literally at home reading Netflix, watching Netflix, and then here's this news. Does he have like a, a Google alert for Japanese internment? <laughs> you must. <laughs> Seriously. Did someone say Japanese ancestry? I'll be right there. Unbelievable. Seriously. Ugh. Stay at home, everybody. Fucking A. It's not an internment camp. Yeah, I saw I saw video footage today of a bar in Wisconsin. And I don't know if I'm going to risk my, my life for just regular Budweiser. Maybe a Budweiser light. Is that what they call it? Is that what the kids call it? Budweiser light? <laughs> Are you okay today? <laughs> I just thought it'd be funny to actually call it Budweiser Light. Miller, genuine, draft, light. It's, I just wanted to try to be, you know, to sound more American. Is there, Can I get a Budweiser Light, please? The people are like, what the fuck did you just say? <laughs> they just beat me. They're like, yeah. go back to the internment camp. Internment camp, yeah. Go back home to your internment camp. It's safe. Then. Go back home to your 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 Netflix 4K. Yeah. You're probably paying that extra $4, you, you fancy liberal. You Uber Eats, eating, <laughs> electricity having... Whoa, whoa, you're just now you're just getting offensive. Sorry. Yeah, now I'm going crazy. Sorry. I'm going to name you two things right now to watch right now because there's nothing else for us to watch. And then two things that are not coming out for a while that are just going to frustrate you that you can't watch right now that but you really want to watch. Which ones you want to hear first? I'm already frustrated in many ways, so let's hear that first. Let's keep it going. All right. Wong Kar Wai is a new film. It's that decade again. It's it's that type of year. Did you know that, Wong Kar Wai? I heard about this, but I don't know much about it. It's called Blossoms. Good. That's that's all I I mean I I don't like to be spoiled with things, so I'm actually not going to look up to see what it's about. But you saw his last film, right? The the karate film? Is it Kung Fu or karate? I always get confused. Martial arts. It's definitely probably Kung Fu because karate is Japanese. So yeah, I did not see it though. Oh. Yeah. You're big, big Wong Kar Wai. Yeah, I see the 2046 uh, DVD Criterion Collection behind you when you're, yeah. while you're recording. Thanks. Yeah, I have the whole set. <laughs> Oh my god, the title says set to shoot. I thought it was to actually release. Oh, yeah. I was like, <laughs> no. That's pretty quick. It's going to be another two or three years. Okay, my bad. I feel like, yeah, if he was already, if it was coming out, I would have heard. It's going to be much longer. Wait, I'm sorry, guys. You have to be frustrated that much longer. Now we actually have to look up how old he is. Do you want to look up how old? <laughs> I'm scared to see how old Wong Kar Wai is. He's probably 65? Oh. He's only 61. Oh, see? I nailed it. Yeah. He's barely older than Tony Leung and Maggie Chung. They're 57 and 55. Yeah, he was young when he started, bruh. Wow. Thank God. Genius. Oof. Ingenue. He's six feet tall. And the other movie is called The French Dispatch. What is that? Wes Anderson's next film. Are there Asians in it? <laughs> That's the best part. Do you, do you, are you familiar with- It's all Asians? And they're not dogs? Are you familiar with Wes Anderson films? Because he yeah. has the worst stereotypes about Asian people. Yeah, of course. The nerdy girlfriend that yeah. from Rushmore, the Filipino pirates, yeah, the entire Darjeeling Limited. And yet I'm still a big fan. And the Japanese dogs that are white. Oh, the Japanese dogs. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> I, it's still top five director for me. And guess, guess who the Asian person is in this, uh, what the role is? Samurai. He's a chef. He's a, he's a Chinese chef. Sushi chef. Oh. From the looks of it, I don't think he speaks much or at all or hmm. even English at all. But the best part is who plays him. Did you look this up? It's the best part. Chow Yun-Fat. Do you remember Steve Park? 
Steve Park. Yeah. No. Steve Park. Yeah. Who is it? He's the Asian guy they added at the la- the last season of In Living Color. <laughs> Do you remember that? What? Who was also in Fargo? Was he in Fargo? The show? The movie. The movie? Really? Is that not him? Maybe I'm getting my Asians mixed up. Now who's racist? Oh, he's the one that was in love with Francis McDormand? Yeah. 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 Oh, Margie, you know, I've been so thinking about you and... Is that him? Yeah. Stephen Park or Steve Park? Steve Park. Steve Park, yeah. And just by the way, you know, just just based on the news this week, I'm pretty sure all of the all of the actual fictional characters in Fargo are dead now because of COVID. So Jesus, bro, what is wrong with you today? Oh wait, no, that's right. It's not in West. It wasn't in Wisconsin, right? I'm sorry. That was a uh, good god. It's based in North Dakota. Where is Fargo based? Yeah, North Dakota, South Dakota. It's in Dakota. One of the Dakotas. Oh, I'm sorry. I I try to throw it back to the Wisconsin debate, but yeah, I called it. So so he's in Living Color, and then he's in Fargo. Mike Yanagita. So he's played a Japanese guy and a Chinese guy now. I mean, it doesn't matter, right? Yep. Well, it doesn't matter because he's not speaking. <laughs> we don't know. No, I think he's speaking. I don't know. We don't know yet. We don't know yet. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I saw, I saw the... Uh... Actually, yeah, I watch. I was watching the trailer. I mean, congrats to him, though, right? Yeah, congrats to him. Yeah. Good move. You were watching the trailer? Yeah, then I just lowered the volume when he came on. <laughs> I was afraid to hear him talk. Oh, like you think he has an accent? Do you think he doesn't? It's a Wes Anderson film. Yeah, he has an accent, I'm sure. Are they in France? What is the period? It's an American. It's based on an American magazine in France. So it's like the Paris Review. Got it. I mean, it's brilliant. I mean, it's everything you love about Wes Anderson. It's everything I've ever wanted. But yeah, a three-dimensional Asian person, not going to happen. Good luck. Now, the two things you can watch, though, um, Alice Wu. Did you ever read, did you ever watch uh, Saving Face with the Michelle Krusik and Lily, what is her name? Never saw it. And Lin Chen, of course. Ah. The great Lin Chen. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. She's familiar. <laughs> yeah, she's in she's in a lot of Asian American movies. I saw her most recently in person, actually, when we watched Abominable. She's one of the voices. Abominable. Abominable. She's in Abominable. Huh. She was there? I was there. Wasn't she there? God damn. Now we gotta look that up. Great. Oh, you know what? I'm mixing up I'm mixing up Asian films I watched. Oh, you mix <laughs> sorry. I saw her. I saw her in a She's in Paper Tiger. That's right. I saw her in uh Another film. God, I'm terrible. Worst Asian American ever. Where are the worst Asians ever? <laughs> what movie did I see her in? Is she in... She's not in Tiger? 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 Tail? Tiger? Yeah, she is. I saw her in Go Back to China, which is a great film. A uh, Paper Tiger. Why am I saying Tiger Tail? What is Tiger Tail? Paper Tiger. Ugh. What is Tiger Tail? Tiger Tail is Alan Yang's film. No, no, no. Alan Yang... Wait, then what's Paper Tiger? Paper Tiger. I'm sorry. <laughs> Tiger Tail is a is a book. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, what the fuck? Tiger Tail is a book. I'm like, wait, yeah, it sounds familiar. <laughs> Where's the word? The word. All right, here's a here. No, it's not us. Oh, it's not us. You know why it's not us? Because Asian American people that write books and make movies should stop naming them really obvious titles. That's why. Yeah. Stop using the word tiger. Stop using the word rice. Stop using the word dragon. Stop. Just stop, please, God. Says the podcast called Yellow Peril. Exactly. (laughs) So my favorite thing, yeah, so Alice Wu did a follow-up. Not really a follow-up. She hasn't, this is her follow-up film. It's been 16 years or so. But it's on Netflix, so we don't have to go to an art house theater in the middle of nowhere to watch it. It's great. It's called The Other Half. I don't want to spoil it for folks, but 
a lot of the same themes from Saving Face are in it. It's set in a fictional town in eastern Washington. And for folks who have been to eastern Washington, it's a very unique, unique part of the country. It's it's based off Serrano de Bergerac. Yeah, it's the Serrano de Bergerac sort of... Roxanne. Trope. Yes. Yeah. But twists with a twist. With a twist, yeah. It's great. It's on Netflix, so you have no excuse not to watch it. George Takei. That was a callback. Come on, catch up. It's okay. George Takei's at home watching Netflix. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And not everybody has Netflix. Come on. (laughs) If you don't have it, Oki will send you his password just to watch this. If you contact me, maybe I will, because that means you listen to the podcast and you deserve to share my Netflix. (laughs) Mom. (laughs) And the other thing we recommend watching is A Little Late with Lily Singh. Just got renewed for a second season on NBC. Oh, wow. I didn't know that. Congrats to Lily. Yeah. Like, I know her. (laughs) Have you watched it? I've caught a few episodes and only parts. Can you believe it took over for Carson Daly? And after how many years he was on the Late Late whatever show he was called, it was called. It's definitely not called the Late Late Show. The last last call with Carson yeah. Daly. Do you know? Do you know how many years he was on Last Call? Twenty. No, you're just you're just trying to. <laughs> I would say fifteen, though. It's been a while. Realistically, you th- yeah, it was seventeen years. He was on Last Call for seventeen years. Isn't that ridiculous? It's absurd, but mostly because it wasn't that good. <laughs> But man, he just got grandfathered into something like what a great gig for him for 17 fucking years. And it sounds like there's gonna be a lot of episodes because they recorded everything previously, like the entire season. Lily Singh's show? That's what it says. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? Wait, it's not a daily show. It's a nightly show, Monday through Friday, right? That's crazy. How did they do that? It's a talk show. Even weirder. So it finished its first season and all of the episodes were filmed in the fourth quarter of 2019. Huh. Already? That's weird because it's... Usually talk shows, they have guests on that want to talk about something topical, but maybe it's just random guests and maybe I didn't see all of her episodes or enough show. If you bring Snoop Dogg in as a guest like she did, I mean... It doesn't matter. He's just like, yeah. He's always, he's evergreen, as they say in the business. Evergreen content. (laughs) She's making that evergreen content. Hell yeah. Oh yeah, that's a double entendre. I didn't, okay, I got it now. Because of Snoop? Yeah. Evergreen? The green part? That's not why I said that, but... Oh, okay. Yeah. Hilarious. Hilariously bad. (laughs) Cool. New shows to watch. And did you finish Upload? I did. With the one Asian American actress that's in it like twice? There's a lot of people of color in it. But not a lot of Asians. No, but I mean... The odd part is when it's him and his quote-unquote best friend in in the upload and then the little boy, it's just very it's just weird to see three significant characters that are white in that position. And then the rich guy who's white and then the boss who's white. But I guess it's the story makes sense because it is a rich neighborhood. It makes sense, but if it's the fucking future, what? There aren't rich ethnic minorities? <laughs> like it's the future. It could be anything. Just like space. Like It can be anything, yet you decide, I don't know. I think it's still... Well, it's the near future, so... Yeah, but I still think, why not show that society has gotten a little better? (laughs) What is this, Star Trek 1965? Why why would... Hell, Star Trek 2019, even 2020, come on. There's still Star Trek's being made, bro. I don't know. I I think it would be really interesting if the angel was actually the main character, if she was the main character, and she's definitely Latina, so. Rosa? Yeah. No, it's not Rosa, is it? What's What's her her name? name? (laughs) 
It's definitely a Lat- she's Latina. She's mixed, black Latina. Her father's black. He's the guy from Silicon Valley. Funny guy. It's a good show. Do you, I watched that. Well, I guess we can't spoil anything. It's a good show. It's just not a great show. It's. I feel like it starts off pretty good, and then it gets a little better and funnier, and then at the end, did the ending satisfy you? <sighs> You want it makes you want more, right? Of course, because it's a mystery. The concept makes me want more. Yeah, yeah, and it's there's funny moments. I'm a sucker for this kind of content, so yeah, I guess I am too. Then this week's worst Asian ever is <laughs> Kenzaburo Oe. Wow, you you're pretty good at pronouncing that. Oh, weird. He was awarded the 1994 Literature Prize and a Nobel Literature Prize to be exact in 1994, and. He was quoted as saying, As a child, I promised my mother I would win the Nobel Prize in physics. Fifty years later, I said to my mother, See, I have kept my promise. I won the Nobel Prize. No, said my mother. You promised it would be in physics. You are the worst Asian ever of the week. I would actually argue that also Olivia Munn, who we got this post from, who retweeted, who re-Instagrammed or re-whatever... <laughs> The Nobel Prize Instagram would, is also the worst Asian ever for posting this. Can we have a double winner? Sure. Kenzoburo Oe and Olivia Munn can share this week's prize. I mean, is she the worst because she posted this? No, she's the worst because she's an actor. Oh, yeah. Terrible. Actress, model, Psylocke. <laughs> her la- I watched that Netflix film. It's bad because of her? No. Don't say it. Oh, it's just bad. It's just the guy, she doesn't, the guy doesn't deserve her. (laughs) The guy's like a terrible person. Oh. The lead. It's just not a very, he's like a a terrible Hugh Grant during the height of Hugh Grant. He's like a combination of Hugh Grant 1994 plus Hugh Grant five years later. (laughs) I won't watch it then. I'm surprised. Have you read any Kenzaburo Oe's books? I have not. You're a huge Murakami fan. I I mean, obviously their styles could be totally different, but I'm just saying he seems like an important figure in contemporary Japanese literature. So I would assume that you might be interested in contemporary Japanese literature, period. That's really funny that you say that. And listeners, you can just jump, skip all this if you don't like Murakami. I just bought this new collection of contemporary Japanese literature. What? How do How do I jump skip? <laughs> Keep going. And it has an intro by Murakami. Half the books are translated by his translator, Jay Rubin. And the entire intro is about how Murakami grew up never liking any contemporary Japanese literature and never read any of the Japanese, the same countrymen that write books as well. And he always read books from outside the country. But now he's learning about it all as he gets older and has better appreciation. That's good. Yeah. But before he hated it. Right, because he's like a rebel. He's like, ah, fuck this shit, man. I'm doing something else. And now he understands what has come before is important. But he didn't quite say that they're all great, (laughs) great, great short stories. He basically was just like, oh, you know, I can see why it's here. (laughs) I can see why some of these short stories are in this collection. Right. So it's not the biggest, like, yeah. Well, he's saying these are important, but they're not for me. Yeah, so I'm just going to end up reading them. I might skip one, a few pages here and there, but we'll see. We'll see if I like others. I doubt it. (laughs) Well, congrats to Kenzaburo Oe, Nobel Prize winner, and Olivia Munn, Psylocke. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) I love that. (laughs) What's up with the (laughs) pauses? Is he alive? I'm sorry. He looked pretty old in 1994. He's alive. He's alive. He's 85. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Does he live in some obscure island off of Japan where they just eat nuts and protein? (laughs) Sake. 
Yeah. I do not know where he lives. He was born in... That's amazing. Osehigashi Uchiko Ehime. That's all I know. <laughs> Those are a lot of syllables. Thanks for listening, Yellow Parallers. Don't forget to follow and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and anywhere you find your other favorite podcasts. Or just tell Siri, Alexa, or Google to play the Yellow Peril podcast. If you don't know the name of the damn show already, well, thanks for listening anyways. Let us know what you think. Leave your comments or questions in a voicemail at 8452-YELLOW. That's 845-293-5509. Or email us at yellowperilpod at gmail.com. If you have an event or project that you'd like us to feature, please feel free to contact us. We're always happy to help spread the word. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, and subscribe to us. Please leave a review. Support us on Patreon. There's so many things you can do. Patreon.com slash Pod. If you subscribe now, at various levels, you will get Yellow Peril swag. A t-shirt, a mug, a sticker. So many goodies. You could even be a guest on our show if you happen to subscribe at a certain level. There's so many things. You can have a conversation with us. It's, it'd be so great to talk to us, right? I mean, who doesn't want to do that? The best thing about the, the stuff you can buy now, we have a special announcement for our white listeners, right? <laughs> do we? Yeah. The ones who are afraid of wearing yellow apparel apparel. So we had a great conversation. I had a great conversation with a friend, my friend Tony, who last week said, I don't know about the name yellow apparel for a podcast, man. I'm like... Yeah, I understand your concern, and I do believe putting it on a shirt might be problematic, and Vume's like, it's fine, man. It's not negative. It's not negative. It's about something that's negative, but the term itself is not negative, right? I'm like, that's fair. But then (laughs) Vuming's own friend... My friend. Yeah, an old colleague was like, bro, I listen to the podcast, and I'm... Is he white, I'm assuming? He's white, yeah. He's like, and yo, I'm not going to wear that shirt, (laughs) And speaks better Mandarin than you do, I might add. Yeah, he's a woke bro. But he's like, I'm not wearing a shirt that says Yellow Apparel. And like in my head, I'm like, yeah, wait a second. If a white dude's wearing a Yellow Apparel podcast shirt, even if he loves the podcast, he's woke, another white person could go up to him and be like, yeah, Yellow Apparel, man, fuck Asians, high five, right? (laughs) Right? Like, I would be worried about that. Yeah. (laughs) It is a concern. It is a concern. It's just not part of my world, so I'm just not. Yeah, yeah. But it's... It's there. It's a reality. It's there. So we came up with a better idea. We'll, we'll release it. We'll talk about it when we actually make it. But I don't want to spoil it yet. But we are going to come out with great t-shirts. And it's going to be great. And you're going to want one. Yes. Also, we just want to do a shout out. This episode was edited by John Uriarte. Uh, thanks, John, as always, for editing the show. Before we go to end the show, it's our carry closer in honor of... So my, I'm going to do something different now. I want to actually tie it into something I want to talk about, which is CamFest, which is happening online this week, May 13th through the 21st, 20th, 21st. It's all week. They had to switch it online for obvious reasons, May 22nd. It's funny because I assumed I'd be able to watch all the movies because it's online. But the one I wanted to watch, which is I Will Make You Mine, directed by Lin Chen, was sold out. It was yesterday. I was going to try to watch it. But it was the only... There was two things sold out. So I ended up not being able to watch it. Wait, it's online and it's sold out? Yeah. I mean, I guess they're trying to be exclusive. It's pretty funny. I would call that not smart because... I don't I don't know. So yeah. let's not get into it. But uh-huh. this is what the movie's about. Singer songwriter turned customer service representative Go Nakamura returns to LA, running headlong into a cascade of women from his past and present. I will make you mine asks the question we've all asked ourselves more than once. When is it time to move on? Lin Chen directed. 
I definitely wanted to watch that, so. It's not the same Lin Chen from... Oh my god. Is it? It is. It is. Is it really? It is, yeah. So if you read if you read the latest New York Times about Alice Wu, you're here, you'll hear about how she's very proud of Michelle Krusiak and Lin Chen being directors now, and how Saving Face inspired a whole bunch of movies, including Crazy Rich Asians, so definitely watch it. So the song is... I don't know. I was hoping you knew a Go Go Nakamura song. I mean, do you have a uk- ukulele? Wait, it's based on a real person. Go Nakamura is a he's a he's a singer songwriter. I don't. Do you know Go Nakamura? No. Man, you are. Whew. I don't think that's a real person. <laughs> yeah, you're funny, dude. No, you can look him up. I've met him in person. I, I, all I'm getting is a former Japanese soccer player. G-O-H, Nakamura. Oh, the H. The H is silent, everybody. <laughs> I don't know who this is still. Uh, Featured in films directed by Ridley Scott, such as A Good Year, American Gangster, and Body of Life, his track Daylight Savings also appears in the film Feast of Love. Berkeley College of Music. Oh, that's funny. You know Cy, you know Cy the other Berkeley College music graduate, but you don't know Go Nakamura? Asshole. I know Cy. Uppa Gunnam, Gunnam style. Oh, sorry. One guy had one of the most viewed YouTube videos ever, and this guy probably doesn't. <laughs> did, did you? I don't know a Go Nakamura song. Oh, he composed "Be Water." He com- he composed the soundtrack or the score to "Be Water." Oh, "Be Water," "Be Water." Oh, wow. Well, then, uh, Bao clearly knows his music. He's probably friends with him, for all we know. You got to pick a song. I don't know a Go Nakamura song. I just, I'm sorry. Does he even sing or does he just play music? I just assume you knew one of his songs because he's Japanese, but... If I heard it, maybe, but I... Okay. You assume I know a, a Jap... <laughs> what? I'm Japanese, Chinese, American. I'm sorry. Can you name a Vietnamese singer right now? I'm pretty sure I would... Emphasis on American and all the other parts. All right, let's take something else then. I'm not going to try to learn. Oh, there's a there's a song called White on Rice theme song from 2009 that's filmed like across the street from you. <laughs> Why don't we pick a song we know? Yeah, like the national anthem maybe? I don't know. What would be... Oh, do you know any Wong Kar Wai movie themes? You do. Oh, is there any more Kami songs in his... He has tons of songs in his books. <laughs> do you want to see Norwegian Wood? Do it. Yeah, there we go. Yeah. That's going to be sad and depressing, dude. Oh, my God. Nailed it. This is definitely not the first time we've done this, have we? No, never have. Sing uh, Norwegian Wood. Are you ready? Before we go to end the show, it's our karaoke closer, Norwegian Wood. By the Beatles. I once had a girl, or should I say, she once had me. She showed me her room. Isn't it good? Norwegian wood. You're so close to the mic. (laughs) She asked me to stay. She told told me me to sit anywhere. God, you're so... So I looked around and I noticed there wasn't a chair. Bravo. God. Wow, you sounded like Paul. It was crazy. It was like, oh my God, Foo Bang's channeling Paul McCartney. Oh my God. That's why I was bad because I think it was supposed to be John Lennon. Yeah. I thought it was John Lennon. That's why it sounded so bad. I think it's George Harrison, actually. No, I don't know. Uh, I think it was the one Ringo Starr song. I thought it was the one George Harrison song. (laughs) 
was written mainly by John Lennon and credited at Lennon-McCartney, influenced by Bob Dylan. Huh. Oh, George Harrison is playing the sitar. Okay, whatever. Good job. Yay. Any new Murakami books coming out? Just kidding. Don't care. <laughs> Are you alive? Yeah, we're done, right? <laughs> <laughs> Now we are. <laughs>